Well, today we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, so if you want to turn to your Bibles there, oh, wow, if you're visiting us, we welcome you. We hope you've experienced a great time of, of just being in the presence of God this morning. We truly are glad you're here, and that's what Faith Bible Church is about, just bringing people to the attention of who Jesus is. Well, if you've been following us last month, we were talking about this idea of being in Christ. If we have become Christians, if we are truly followers of Jesus, there is a change in our life. Amen? There is a change. We say goodbye to the old man. We say goodbye to Mr. and Mrs. Wrong. Why? Because the habits, the practices of our past are now restored. We are now a new creature in Christ. Because God has given us abundant life as a new creation in him. We are made in his image. So this month, for the month of November, our theme is we're going to look at what Jesus has done for us. Aren't you glad of the things Jesus has done for us? That sounds like you're pretty awake this morning. We're to, this morning we're going to focus on this idea of Jesus restoring us. Jesus restoring us. And Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17 is where we will be. And it's very clear as basic instructions on what a new person that has trusted Jesus Christ looks like as they live. See, we are told how to live this new life in Christ. And we are shown by examples in Scripture of what a restored life looks like. See, when we put our faith and trust in Christ, the change is certain. It's undeniable. And you remember the time when you trusted Christ as your Savior. There was a change, wasn't there? And that's what the New Testament tells us. And that's what Paul is getting to the churches as he writes these letters. So as we dig into the, this passage of Scripture this morning, let us remember that God is always proactive. He always takes initiative. Think about creation. He took the initiative in creation, didn't he? He spoke and everything came into existence. He took the initiative in salvation. He provided a way to be restored or reconciled back to himself through his son, Jesus. He takes initiative in our sanctification. He has the Holy Spirit inside of us who is prodding us and, and allowing us to make good decisions and to walk in a way we haven't walked before. See, God has always taken the initiative, and then he calls upon us to respond accordingly. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad you have God's Holy Spirit living inside of you that helps you and it comforts you? Let me ask you a question this morning. It's not a spiritual question. It's going to get us into our message. Have you ever heard of a bot dot? Anyone out here ever heard of a bot dot? Good. I know something that no one else knows. First time in my life. Now, a bot dot. Well, if you see the picture, as Chris will show it, it just kind of gives you a, a picture. A bot dot is those little raised reflective bubbles that are on the road. Center and the side. Elmery Bott, an engineer from the 1950s, created this. And guess what the purpose of it was for? To keep you on the road. <laughs> Come on, it's our alarm clock. Right? You guys that fall asleep at the wheel, and you hear that, you know you're in trouble. You better wake up. Now, we came back from Lancaster yesterday visiting my, my family, and coming back about when I get to Route 40, I'm like starting to nod, and she's like, I'm driving. I didn't hit any bot dots, but the purpose for bot dots is what? To stay in your lane, to not swerve. 
Well, that's what Paul's writing the book of Colossians for. He is telling these Christians here, listen, this is where you need to stay in your theology. This is, where, this is what you believe in. We are on a path. This is who the Jesus we follow. This is who he is. And I'm going to explain in a minute some of the, the, the her heretical teachings that were coming into the church at that time. See, the church's history, there was temptations throughout the history to follow other teachings that were not of Scripture. And it was important for Paul to lay down these bot dots for the, us, for the Christians to stay in their lane. See, Colossians was written explicitly to defeat these particular heretical teachings that existed in the church. We don't know what was told to Paul, but we kind of have an idea, based on his writing, what was going on in the church. Just like the book of Ephesians, Paul starts out the book of Colossians, Colossians 1 and 2, with doctrine. Who Jesus was, the deity of Christ, and false philosophies. Then chapters 3 and 4, it's practical regarding our conduct, how we live, how we treat each other or our families. So to kind of give us an idea why Paul laid these bot dots down, there were three particular teachings that were starting to infiltrate the church. The first was Jewish legalism. Jewish legalism was this idea, and, and we understand when we read Galatians, there was this idea of legalism in the church, that salvation's good. Yes, we want salvation, but there are things you have to do to obtain that salvation. In the Old, in the Old Testament, was circumcision. Well, they tried to bring that into the teachings of salvation, and we know that salvation is through faith alone. Amen? Amen. So this was starting to come into the church of Colossae. And then there was this Gnostic mysticism. That's two big words. I'll explain them to you. Gnostic just means knowledge. It was this belief that knowledge was everything. Here's some things that they believed. They believed everything spiritual or of knowledge was good, and everything material that you could touch or feel was bad. Jesus was not God, according to this teaching. God created deities. Jesus was one of those deities he created. He also created a deity, a bad deity, that created the earth in which we live in, which the earth that we stand on is evil and wicked. So if you were to put one word besides Gnostic mysticism, it would be wackos. Because there's nothing, there is nothing in that teaching. I'm sitting there looking, where, what kind of, you know, drugs were they on when they came up with this particular belief system? Then lastly was religious asceticism. And this is the belief that, that we are proving our love for God by denying certain pleasures in life. We go back to the 3rd, 4th, 5th centuries of the monks. The monks did that. They would sacrifice living in homes, and they go up to the mountains and live. They would sacrifice what they, certain things they would eat to go live in a place and just eat a certain, certain diet to show how spiritual they are. So these three particular teachings were starting to come into the church. And Paul was hearing this. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1. This, I believe, is the theme verses of the book of Colossians. If you, you understand, he is laying down the borders here of the church. He's saying, listen, here is what is coming into you. These are the false teachings that are happening, we've understand, because of history. Now he's saying this. 
Look at verse, chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. That knocks out Gnostic mysticism, does it? This is who Jesus is. Okay, let me, lay, let, me, let me lay these bot dots down for you, Church of, Church, of, Church of Colossae. Here is who Jesus is. Continue verse 17. And he is before all things. So he's not a created being. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is sovereignly in control of all things. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in everything, he might be preeminent. That word in the Greek means to have a superior status. So he's not a created being. He is God. Verse 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled you in the body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. In this passage of scripture, Paul knocks out the philosophies that are entering the church. This is who Jesus is. This is who you are following. Stay in the lane. Stay in the lane. So now let's go to our text this morning, Colossians chapter 3. As we understand, we know who Jesus is. This is the lane that we're in. We believe Jesus, the Son of God. He is God. We believe in the Trinity. We believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe in the fact of who Jesus is. And just like we talked about in Ephesians, now that we know this, okay, now, the lane that we're traveling in, the lane that we're behaving in in our life, how are we living? We learned in Ephesians that we're to put off certain things that look like the world. So now here in Colossians in verses 12 through 17, he's saying, okay, these are the characteristics as Christians, as followers of Jesus. This is what we put on. So read with me, Colossians 3, 12 through 17. It says, As put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Maybe he's underlined these here because we're going to look at each one of these. Compassion and hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. See, Paul begins by reminding the church... That God chose us. He predestined us. And then, again, a few weeks back, we talked this idea. Man, I, that, that's a theology and a doctrine we look at and say, I don't understand. But guess what? We're thankful that he did. So our point, first point this morning is this. He chose us. Therefore, he chose us. We enjoy his favor. He chose us. Now we are in his family. We enjoy his favor. See, we are holy, set apart from sin from the rest of the world. We are set apart unto God. See, we are God's chosen creation. His people chosen to demonstrate to the world that we once walked this way. Now because of Christ in us, we walk this way. 
He restored us. He restored us, which demonstrates the power of the gospel that lives within us. And each one of us that leave here church every week, we have that power that's demonstrating hopefully the new life, the new walk, the new behavior in which we have because of what Jesus has done for us. I love what God told the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy 7, 7 through 8. says, the Lord was devoted to you and chose you, not because you were more numerous than all the people, for you were the fewest of all people. He chose us. He chose you because the Lord loved you. Do you like being loved? Because God's love tells us that we are to put off the old man and we are to put on the new man. That shows that our love for Christ. See, in Ephesians chapter 6, remember, we kind of gave an outline to it. Ephesians 6 was like, listen, we need to put on these things for warfare. Remember we talked about, we, Paul told the church there in Ephesus, listen, wars are coming. Satan is going to come and he's going to attack you. He is going to try to destroy you. You need to put on these things so you can stand firm against the enemy. Well, Paul here in Colossians chapter 3 is now is telling us to put on these particular characteristics to dwell with each other in peace and in unity. So, he chose us. We enjoy his favor. Number two is he changed us. Think about, the, think about those who trust, those that are saved. Think about the life you lived before Christ and the change that happened and how you look and see and act differently. You remember? You remember that change? He changed us. Because he changes, guess what? We're loving each other. We're loving our brothers and sisters. Because of the change of the gospel. Look at verses 14 and 15. And above all, these put on love, which binds. That word there in the Greek means to hold together. Love binds all things together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule. That word rule there means control. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let it control in your heart to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Clearly, Paul is talking here about the unity of the church. Okay, just think about it a minute. Remember the, the three teachings that were coming in, the heretical teachings? And can you imagine the arguments and the, the, the dissension and the gossip that was happening when individuals were starting to follow those certain teachings? Can you imagine the church body at that time? Can you imagine the dissension? And Paul said, hey, listen, we've got to come back to the basics here. He sums up, listen, love one another. That binds us together. So brothers and sisters, as chosen sons and daughters of God, we are to put peace on with one another. We are to put these characteristics we're going to talk about in a few minutes on so we can live for the unity of Christ, bearing one another, loving one another, so people can see the difference in us. Right? They can see a difference in how we respond and act towards one another. Well, the first characteristic this morning, if we are, if, if God loves us and we are to show that love to our brothers and sisters, the first one is compassion, heartfelt compassion. See, this is mercy. This is sympathy. See, as Christians, as we're part of the same family, we should not be indifferent to one another. We should not be cruel. We shouldn't be harsh towards one another. 
See, this having this characteristic shows genuine love. You possess that compassion and you show that towards other Christians. And isn't it interesting? That's the same compassion and love God shows towards us. So why wouldn't we then show it to our brothers and sisters who we will spend eternity with in heaven? Compassion, kindness. This is a sweet disposition. This also can be translated into generosity or goodness. A person who is, has kind things to say towards one another. I'm not saying there's not times you need to have a confrontation. I'm not talking in general as we live with one another. When we say words, it's given with grace and tenderness. A kind person is not abrupt or harsh. They generally care for you and me. Everyone knows someone like this, don't we? Hopefully that individual may be sitting in this room that you know that person who is kind and gentle and even when had to say hard things to you, did it in a way of grace and compassion and kindness, much just like Jesus showed us in his life. So we have compassion, we have kindness, thoroughly, humility. See, this is one that kind of gets all of us. We are to submit to one another. Ah, we don't like that, do we? Putting others before our own needs. You don't like that, do you? I don't like that. Why? My sin nature says me, 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 me. And Jesus' words is no, it's others, it's others, it's others. See, in God's economy, it is the lowly that are exalted. Look at what Jesus says in Luke 14, 11. He says, that for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. In the world's scheme of things, in their narrative, we are constantly told to promote ourselves, right? You don't want to be presented as someone who's lowly or in last place. It goes against what the world's narrative tells us. I mean, think about in the crazy world in which we live in, people, they shoot each other over cutting people off in traffic. Get out of my way. It's all about me. I need to get here first. Rah, 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 right? What's Paul tell these Christians to put on? Put on humility. And it's very interesting. We don't deal with these sins too well in our lives because we kind of put them, we categorize them differently. The, you know, the sins of the flesh, you know, immorality, adultery, uh, fornication, drunkenness, all those sins that we look at, yeah, man, that person's involved with this, man, they're really sinning. But we don't look at the sins such as pride, arrogance, anger, envy, hatred, mean-spirited, and the list can go on as really being like a serious set. Right? Am I right? We are. We all do it. Ah, I know I have it in my life. You know, that's, that's, that's just who I am. That's who God made me to be. No, he didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's what the word of God says. Right? There are the sins that are heart sins that we, you know, I don't know what Pastor Frank or my son Mason, I don't know what they're struggling with inside. That's a, that's a heart issue. You could have me fooled. I could have you fooled. But these are the sins that we need to submit to God. So God, I need to take care of this in my life. So compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. I know, guys, it's not something we want on our resume. 
It's the willingness to suffer injury instead of inflicting. With some of my basketball guys here, Anthony and Tony's family. Tony and I played basketball yesterday morning, and I Tony, I don't think you would like me to say, hey, Tony, that was a gentle move, man. That was real gentle. No. Man, go get him, Tony. Yeah, way to get him. Way to put it in your son's face. That's what we say, right? But God wants us to have gentleness. Gentleness. That idea of suffering injury instead of inflicting it. See, the world looks at that as weakness, doesn't it? But as a man, I myself, this is an area I, I got to be more gentle. Don't say anything, Judy. You might want to say, hey, man, right? That's the problem. We worry about the, what the world says instead of what God says in his word. See, these are characteristics we need to put on. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. Lastly, patience. All of us have this under control, right? Patience. This is long-suffering, especially in the face of injury or insults. See, it's the ability to respond in love when others treat you poorly. Are you getting the picture here? Who do we see as doing that here when he lived on earth? Jesus. And isn't that very funny? We're Christians, so therefore, we should probably pattern and follow ourselves the way Jesus did. Patience in our own strength is impossible. I can't do it on my own. Can you, Andrew? You can't be patient. What helps us with patience? The Holy Spirit that lives within us. And when he convicts us, hey, Jay, you need to be more patient. Yes, you're right, God. I need to work on that. So the question is, will you give into the world's definition of what a man or a woman looks like by not living these characteristics in your life? Or... Will you follow and allow Christ to control your life and allow you to put these in to you can, so you can reflect the life of Jesus Christ? Remember the context of Colossae, in Colossae here. There was a lot happening in the church. And Paul is very serious. Listen, you need to clothe yourself with these things if we're going to work with one another here and care for one another and help each other. Paul is reminding them, through it all, we need to put the, these attributes, which ultimately points us to the unity of Christ. If we all live this way, we're focusing not on each other. What are we focusing on? What's God want us to do? What's Christ want us to do? And what is our job as Christians? To go into the world and preach the gospel, to make disciples. That's the focus. That is the focus. See, put on. Put on. Look at verses, verse 13. Bearing, that word there in the Greek means enduring with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive, forbear one another. What's that mean? Well, let me tell you what it means. It means we're supposed to tolerate one another. That individual that you've been to church all your life with, that person that annoys you, there's none of those people, right? Maybe I annoy you. I don't know. We're, we're to tolerate them. We're to tolerate them. You know, those individuals that are not fun being around, there's those individuals that there's no joy or pleasure when you're with them. You're like, ooh, it's like, just what time is it? Is it bedtime yet? We got to go. <laughs> That's where patience comes in. 
patience to endure when those individuals are around. And that needs to be a heart change on us as Christians. So forbearing, bearing with, enduring one another. Why? Because we are brothers and sisters of the Most High God. Number two, we must forgive one another. So we put these characteristics on, we forbear, we endure with one another, but then we can forgive one another. See, James Dobson says it this way, forgiveness is surrendering my right to hurt you for hurting me. Forgiveness is surrendering my right to hurt you for hurting me. When we truly forgive someone, there's three things involved. Let me just go through them real quick this morning. See, first, it means that we forgo the right to strike back. When we truly forgive, we say we forgive someone. Okay, for, yeah, well, next time that happens, I'm going, I'm going right at him or right at her. No, it forgoes the right to strike back. It rejects that urge to, okay, I forgive you, but now I'm going to go gossip about it. That's not true forgiveness. The second thing that forgiveness does, it means replacing the feeling of resentment or anger with goodwill and love for that brother or sister. Let me say that again. It means replacing the feeling of resentment. Think about it in your life. When someone does you wrong, what's the first thing you do? Mm, you feel resentment, right? That's our, that's, that's, that's our human nature. We need to seek to love that brother with goodwill. And thirdly, not just forgiving, saying, I forgive you, but now restoring that relationship with that person. See, forgiveness, okay, I forgive you, great, and you go on your own way, and you might still talk about me. I can't believe he did that to me. I forgave him. No, you didn't. It's about restoring that relationship and breaking down those walls of resentment by what? Putting on those characteristics that Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 3. That's hard work, isn't it? Because our flesh just wants us, you know, do what the world, you know what, they're on their own, they hurt me, I'm just going to ignore them, and I just hope, you know, God, God does what he has to do with them. Is that forgiveness? No, that is not forgiveness. So forbearance and forgiving one another. No matter what that individual has done to you, that is true forgiveness. And isn't that what Jesus did for us? Are you glad that Jesus doesn't remember your wrongs? I am. Are you glad for that? Well, we in turn need to operate that way with brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Lastly, a last point this morning is this. Because he counsels us in his word... We can then help others through God's word and build up the family. Because we receive counsel, because we're in God's word, because we're following God's word, because we're putting on these characteristics, we can now, he counsels us through his word, now we can build up the family by helping and forbearing and forgiving and being unified in Christ. Look at verses 16 and 17 in this passage of scripture. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God in whatever you do in word or in deed. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There's much to be said about God's word, isn't there? It's promises, it's power, it's prophecies, it's principles, it's priorities. It's all here. 
But the principles here in which we want to understand this morning is that God's word allows us, it teaches us, it admonishes us. God's word teaches and admonishes. I want you to think of it as a coin. We like instruction, well, most of us. We like being taught and learning about God's word. We like learning, but being admonished? See, teaching is, hey, here's what you need to do. Admonishment is, don't do that. And we don't like to hear that, do we? Young people, you don't like to tell, have your kids and your mom and dad say, no, don't do that. No. God's word is the same way. And we go, when God teaches us, there's times of admonishment. There's times where we come together as brothers and sisters, and we have to admonish one another. We don't like that. But we need to, as, as, as Paul says here in Colossians chapter 3, when someone comes to us in a teaching spirit, in an admonition spirit, we need to thank God. See, how can we thank God when someone comes and admonishes us and, and tells us something that we're doing wrong because God laid on their heart to pick out something in your life that needs to change in your Christian walk? And that is a good thing. How many of us know individuals that that has happened to, whether here or other places, and they just turn and walk away? May we be a church, may we be brothers and sisters that take admonishment when it comes to us. Because that shows love, that shows respect, that shows honor for the body of Christ. We are, all, we are all in this together. Galatians 6 says we are to forbear, we are to help each other in our burdens. How many of you in here have burdens to bear? Every hand should go up. We all do. We've created, uh, as Frank's created small groups here. That we get together in smaller groups, and in those groups we hope that there's conversation of, yeah, I'm struggling with this, you know, I really need help in this. Why? There comes instruction. Sometimes there comes admonishment. And what do we do? We just grow together, working with each other, helping each other through our struggles together. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what the body of Christ looks like? And so this morning, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Do we think that putting on these characteristics is what is, is what is needed for Christians today? Wow, okay. Yes, the answer should be. Do you think that following in the way of Jesus, living in peace and unity with one another and loving each other no matter what is important for the Christian life? There we go, that's even better. So this morning, I need to put this to test this morning. I need to talk about a subject that is happening this week in our country, and it deals with politics. I know everyone's just kind of like, ah. as a church, we don't endorse anyone. We don't talk about parties. We're going to talk strictly on what the Word of God says on some particular issues. And this, I'm just going to be just straight up honest with you this morning. This is where conflict comes. Because some of it might be teaching for us, some of us it may be ad ad admonishment, but we do it in love, okay? And we leave here, we look at Colossians chapter 3, and we put on those characteristics, because we're going to agree to disagree in probably many areas, don't we? But as pastors, we feel that these things need to be said this morning as we come into an election week. Again, we're not endorsing anyone, but, by, the, but by, the, by looking into the Word of God, there's some issues that we have to look biblically on. Are you ready? Okay. Always keep Colossians 3 in the back of your mind. 
I want to show a slide here. I think you all agree with me. As a Christian, the Word of God is our owner's manual, isn't it? So I put relations. So relations means, okay, so I am a father, I am a husband, I am a son, I am, a, uh, uh, I am an employee, I am a citizen, I am, I am these certain relationships in my life. And so I look to the Word of God to determine how I need to be those people in my life. Would you agree to that? Yes? Okay, good. Number two is my ethnicity. I am a German-English-Irishman. Oh, well, Jay, what are you talking about back there, man? What's going on? So in my ethnicity, there may be things that I feel strongly about, that I am passionate about, and I could probably participate in, but the first thing I do is find out, what's God's word say about it? Is it something that is God-honoring? Is it something that fits the model that God has set before us in his word? The third is our citizenship. We are all probably United States citizens, right? We are fortunate enough to have a country that our founding fathers used the very word of God to formulate documents that come from the Bible. But as an American, there's things that we've done in our past that were not good, and we did not follow the pattern of God. So as a citizen of the United States of America, I need to look, okay, as an American, What's the Word of God say about these things? Would you agree with me on that? And lastly is our culture. There's many cultural issues that we may feel passionate and strong about. Regardless, we have family involved in it, we may have friends involved with it, we hear their story, and we sympathize, and yeah, absolutely, we understand that. But for us to make a point or, or, or come up with our own narrative, we first have got to see what the Word of God says about that particular issue and culture. Will we agree with that? See, we're unified so far, so this is pretty good. So let's go home. No, we can't go home yet. Can't go home yet. It's not that easy. So listen, this morning, church, um, there's four things. Some of us have already voted. I understand some of us are already voting because for whatever reason, it seems like the, the virus only goes to the voting poll. So, you know, we're out of luck. So we've got a mail-in vote. All right? But even for future votes, I need to just think about some biblical principles here. Again, we're not voting for a personality, okay? We're just not. We're voting on someone who's going to protect us, to watch over us, to care for our country, and someone who has some kind of principle in the sense of Christian ideology and Christian narrative from the Bible. We're protecting and standing up for what God says is true and right. This person might not even be a believer. That does not matter. We can look at the kings of, of Israel. Saul, was he a good king? Oh. Was David? Well, David was a man after God's own heart, but David failed in many ways. His son Solomon. So we can't look at the person because the only person we want as our king is Jesus. So I want to look at four issues this morning, and please understand, with Colossians 3 in the back of our mind, there is a lot of probably the dissension and confusion and opinions and convictions, but we need to look and see what God's Word says about them. It might be teaching, it might be admonition. First one is abortion. Or as I like to call it, the slaughtering of babies in the womb. Psalms 139, 13-16. You need to circle this verse. You need to underline this. This is a verse. A lot of these questions this morning 
So young people particularly jot these down, and I'll get to you guys in a minute. For you form my inward part. David's talking to God here. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You saw, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, as yet there were none of them. 59 million babies since 1973 have been extracted from their mother's womb. Exodus 20 tells us God gave a moral law to the nation of Israel. God gave ceremonial, civil, and moral codes to Israel. Ceremony and civil, they change from civilization to culture to times. But moral code transcends all those. And that's why we have those laws, hopefully in our courthouses, even though that's been some point of contention. Because even individuals that aren't followers of God, when they follow God's plan, they're, they're, it's civil. We can live. And we know that thou shall not murder, thou shall not kill. Church, Christians, listen to me. We need to put individuals that honor the right to live. God told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you were before you before were born. So you can't abort the mind of God. And look at those words, and we're going to talk about another issue in a moment, but those words, he, he intricately woven you. You understand, look at you as a human. He made you. He actively put you together in his mind before the foundations of the earth. Who are we to say? Nah, man, you're not, your life means nothing to me. I'm, 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 gonna take, I'm taking your life out. To where now there's conversations that now abortions can be okay five minutes after you're born. Why don't we stop in five minutes after we're born? Why don't we just say five years old? Why don't we say ten years? For crying out loud, why don't we just say, hey, let's just go kill each other? The madness has got to stop Christians. We must stand up in our vote when we can to say, I support the protection of the unborn. It is straight out wickedness and evil from the devil. Number two is marriage. What does your candidate view about the traditional marriage? One man, one woman. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. I'm going to tell you to circle some things. Again, it's going to help you when you go back to these passages of Scripture. Therefore, a man shall, circle the word man, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall hold fast to his, what's the word? My Bible does not say partner. It says husband, wife. Church, are we looking for individuals who are going to support and continue to value the traditional marriage that God has set up at the beginning of time? June of 2015, the Supreme Court said it's okay for same-sex marriage. It's legal. Nothing we can do about that. But it doesn't make it biblical. You can show me a piece of paper. It's not. It's not. Just because it's biblical. And speaking of, of the book of Colossians, you understand in the Roman government, it was a very male-oriented uh, 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 city or, or, or regime, I should say. Males, had, they could, males could really do no wrong in Rome. 
It was male dominance. I mean, you, you males had the rights for everything. You know, in Roman law, it was legal for a husband, if your wife annoyed you, to actually kill her and your children. That's why Paul in his epistles is always talking about relationships. Listen, husbands, you need to love your wives, not kill them, like Roman law allows you to do. But did it, does it make that right? No, it's morally wrong. We go back to the moral code of God. Do not murder. Do not kill. Again, just because the government says so does not make it right. Number three, this issue of our sexuality. Transgenderism. Going back to Psalms 139, that's a very beautiful passage of Scripture that gives us the idea that God has made us who we are. There's no mistake. I was born a man. If you were born, you were born a woman. God, you look at these words. He, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God knitted you together. When you say it's okay to change your anatomy, you're saying God made a mistake. Therefore, if God made a mistake, he is not perfect. And if God is not perfect, then we have a theological problem here. That means he is not God. You see, you see how that follows? We are created in God's image. The world can say it's okay. But God's word says it's not. And church, we need to make sure we're voting biblically. What does God's word? Don't worry about the person. There's been a lot of knuckleheads that were presidents. What, to, what are some of these things they stand for that affects our life biblically? Young people, let me just talk to you for a moment. High school, middle school, high school, college age, young people. Listen, these three moral issues in our world are hot topics. And you will be persecuted for them. If you stand up and say, I am pro-life, I believe in traditional marriage, and I believe God made you who you're going to be, you are going to be ridiculed. And some of you have already been there. But you are in good company because Jesus told his followers in Luke 21, you will be persecuted for my name's sake. And maybe you at work have these conversations. Get ready. We live in a world where Christianity is not liked. But we know Jesus says, hey, it's okay. If they hate me, they're going to hate you. And if you stand with those things, that's the things of the Bible, that's the things of God, and they're going to hate you. But he tells us as we answer those issues, as we stand up for those issues, 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give an answer for those things that you believe. But what's he say there? With gentleness and respect. With gentleness. There's putting on these attributes we talked about this morning. Look what he says in, Paul says in Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Be always, it was to say, to walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best of your conversation. Let your speech always be gracious. And season with salt. We do it out of grace and gentleness and humility. Now listen, I, I, I need to kind of just, since we're live stream, I want to make sure we're very, very clear here. 
These are three issues that we are passionate about as leaders here at Faith Bible Church. There are sins, there are things that we should not be participating in. We are things that our country should stand up for and say is wrong. We know that based on what's going to happen, we, we can stand up and say yay or nay based on what we feel biblically from these, this, this perspective. But I want to I wanna just pause a minute and say this. You may be going through some of those issues of your sexuality. You may be struggling with an abortion. You may be struggling. Maybe you're thinking about having. Maybe you're watching this online. Maybe you're struggling. I want, I want to tell you something. Listen, we love you. We want to walk you through that. Church is a hospital. And we, we, want to, we want to open the word of God and say, listen, this is what God's word says. And we will, we will bear with you and we will, we will come alongside you with that burden and we will help you understand who you are in Christ. We will understand. So please, if you're listening to me this morning, yes, we're passionate. We believe the Bible says these things are sin. They're wrong, but it doesn't mean we don't love you. And we can walk through you, walk with you through those things that you can come out understanding who you are in Christ. So understand that. Our last issue this morning, they're the, they're the moral issues. They're the issues that we need to get out and just you need to think about. Lastly is, are your candidate people that we vote for, are they pro-Israel? Are they pro-Israel? This church, Faith Bible Church, since its, its inception, many, 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 many years ago when Max Hunt was, no, I'm just kidding, was pro-Israel. What's that mean? We support Israel. Based on the Abrahamic covenant of Genesis 12, chapter 3. I will bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. Yes, Israel is not where they need to be spiritually right now. They're not. But they're God's people. When you look at the nations who are constantly causing strife and attacking and, and trying to kill Israel, look at their countries. Look at their economics. Look at the poverty. I will bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. We need people that are going to support and love God's people. We know Israel's going to come back to God. We know that that's what the tribulation's for. And when the church is gone and the rapture, we know that God's going to bring the nation of Israel back to himself. It tells us this in his word. We know that. But we'll continue to love the nation of Israel. I read this week there's a group of politicians that want to give Israel our, some of our stealth bombers to help protect their land. We say, yay, right? But then there's a group of politicians that wants to start funding the PLO again. And we say, no. Why? Because the Palestinian, Palestine Liberation Organization is a terrorist organization that seeks to destroy Israel. And what I read, the final part of that article, is they want to give them an office in Washington, D.C. Why would we do that? We need to have Israel's back. Because they are God's people. And God honors those who support and help them, even in their spiritual callousness. Okay. You can unclench your fists. You can take a deep breath. They're just things that we're passionate about. It needs to be said. As Christians, this is, this is how we need to think biblically, we, whether it's now or future voting. And we can agree to disagree. There's one thing that we can agree on. No matter what happens this week, Jesus is our king. 
Jesus has already been here. He knows what's going to happen. He will do according to his plan and his will. For our good. But, but, no, for our good. Regardless of who is elected. So church, we need to focus on Jesus. We need to focus on eternity. We continue to put on, as we close, put on those characteristics of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience towards one another, forbearing one another. Because I would guarantee you, there's many probably, we agree to disagree. I don't want you leaving fighting each other, please. I don't have to have, have our security team have to actually be in action today. All right? I think we're better than that. Remember, all that matters is Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you don't know this Jesus. Well, we would love to introduce you to him. We hope that you put your faith and trust in him because we look at as Christians, we look at our world and we say, yeah, we pray for this to happen or we pray for that not to happen, but it might be in God's plan that maybe by Tuesday we are raptured and we are in the presence of our Savior. The signs here I've seen, Jesus is forever. Presidents are temporary, but Jesus is forever. And here's, here's, here's just, just some, something to think about. And I, we, we said it a few weeks ago. We pray for God's will. We pray even our, our personal, what we feel, the, nation, the direction the nation should go. But understand this, whatever happens, it's in God's plan. And it could it be that God is starting the process of getting ready for the rapture. Maybe he's getting ready for the world and the tribulation. That's okay with me. But it may mean that we have to go through some things here before this happens. God never promised that we were going to have religious freedom, did he? No, there's Christians throughout the globe today that are running for their faith. And they're the happiest brothers and sisters you'd ever want to meet. So Christians, let's be encouraged. Love one another, forbear one another, care for one another, agree to disagree. Understand Jesus is our king. And our focus needs to be eternity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, we just pray that you would just help us as brothers and sisters. Lord, this is a tough topic to talk about in the church. And there's so many different opinions and views. But Lord, you've given us your word and you've laid it out for us. Are things that you call sin, things that you call unholy, things that you call Christians to stand for, stand against. Lord, allow us, to do us, allow us to do that with love and compassion and grace as you did when you lived here on earth. Be with us. Help our country. Do your will. What you want, us to, what, what you want America to be in this world, in your precious name. Amen. So tomorrow, just one quick announcement, we'll be dismissed. Um, we, the church doors will be open at 6 a.m. And it's going to be empty. You come and go as you please. If you want to come with your family, with a small group, you want to come in the evening, it's here. It's going to be open. Lights will be on. You come and we just want you to pray for our country. Pray for the election. Pray that God's will will be done. And from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Pastor Frank will open at 6 a.m. That never happens. Um, but I will be here to open it, I'm sure, because I'm the youngest guy. Yes, I had to open it up. I get it. They need their beauty sleep. All right. Hey, God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see